0: This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, NoNonsenseForex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 15 is brought to us by IGUS, my fellow Americans. When it comes to Forex trading, there is only one smart choice. IGUS gives you the backing of a gigantic trading firm, the lowest spreads in the country, and great customer service that you don't have to sit there and wait for. And if you click my link down below in the show notes and in the YouTube description, it will take you to the blog telling you everything you need to know. And that blog also includes my link. If you click that link, currently IG will pay you to sign up as a new client. They will give you $250 cash back after your first trade. Or, if your real name is Scrooge McDuck, they will give you $5,000 back after you open 300 lots. The choice is easy. And for all of my non-U.S. listeners out there, I have two very good recommendations as well down below in the show notes. Make sure you check those out as well. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and once again, we interrupt our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, As I mentioned back in episode 14, I had another idea to bring you this week, but... What's great is we can always adjust where we need to adjust. And there's currently not a lot of urgency to talk about gold and silver miners right now because they're all dumping. But while all of the miners are dumping, energy is rising, including oil. Now on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, I did an entire video on oil, but that was more from a trading perspective. This is a buy and hold podcast. Now, I mentioned all the way back in the very first episode, which was episode zero, that I am very bullish on oil long term. Now, in terms of when exactly to pull the trigger, I'm not going to tell anybody if I'm actually getting a signal because I don't do that. But I think if you go to your oil charts right now and pull up the weekly, many of you are either getting one right now or you're getting awfully close. Now, this is not something I can say for gold or silver or platinum or palladium or copper or any of those things. So I think oil is certainly something we need to address this week, because I know many of you are interested in this too, and I think you should be. Uh, But first off, let me reiterate, uh, in the YouTube comments section, please do not ask me when I'm actually making a move on X. I don't do that. Again, I am not a free signal service. I'm not a paid signal service. And you can often deduce from my podcasts when I am getting pretty close to pulling the trigger, if I haven't already. Uh, And then you can simply take it from there, Uh, which is what this podcast is all about. It's for do-it-yourselfers. It's not for people who are dependent on others. Uh, And also, if you would be so kind, please don't ask my thoughts on other sectors or particular stocks or anything like that. And the reason I ask this is because it's probably going to become a future podcast episode. And I don't want to give away my thoughts, you know, in the comment section. That's a waste. Again, I'm glad you guys value my opinion. No, But there's a reason why I leave a lot of people on read in the comment section. And this is one of the reasons why, just so you know. Uh, but rant over. Let's talk about why I am so bullish on oil for the future. Near term, midterm, long term, all of it. First of all, let's back up for a moment and just think what oil has actually done for humanity and just for the quality of life for the countries who have been so fortunate to actually leverage it. If you consider the energy it provides, if you consider the technology it has led to, and the technology it still fuels, and most people don't even think about the hundreds of daughter products that comes from oil that we use every day that you don't even think about, and then imagine a world without those things. Is it icky and gross? Yes, it is. Um, but you got to weigh both sides out sometimes, and I don't think enough people do that. They follow narratives. Now, in the particular case of oil, it's not always that black and white. Uh, Narratives normally are, but in this case, when the climate change narrative came from above and ESG became a thing, environmental social governance, the vast, vast majority of investors and investment funds flocked into ESG. Oddly enough, they could give a rat's balls about the S and the G part. They just cared about the E, the environmental side of things. Um, But by doing that, they took their money out of fossil fuels, such as oil. They didn't just wake up one day and all of a sudden started caring deeply about the environment. Nor did most of them buy into this narrative. As we all do, they just wanted to skate to where the puck was going. And the E portion of ESG is clearly where the best money opportunities were. And like I mentioned in the copper video I did, it's very easy to skate to where the puck is going when world governments are not only telling you, but also putting money behind and mandating these ESG initiatives. You know, do you want to be the one fund still stuck in fossil fuels while your entire competition is going the other way? I would say that's a good idea, but, <laughs> but that's not how they feel. So anyway, this took a lot of money out of the oil sector. It hampered a lot of companies' ability to produce and manufacture and ship oil all over the world. And this was generally bad for oil companies. And even though a lot of the money that flooded into ESG funds has now come out of ESG funds, creating this kind of mini boom-bust echo scenario, which is an opportunity, don't think for one second we're not going to talk about renewables on this show at some point, not today. Uh, But even though a lot of money has come out of ESG funds lately, they have not been flooding back into the oil sector. Now, Even though some sectors have still prospered okay, this is generally not great for oil companies. But the big question we have to ask ourselves is, what does this do to supply? When for the first time in decades you have completely constricted oil companies' ability to do their job, you often end up with less oil. And you don't see these things happen right away all the time. These are long-term effects we're going to see. Entire pipelines in North America are still shut down. Shipping tankers are having a hard time getting to where they need to go. Russia, who has a ton of oil, is really starting to put the clamps down when it comes to certain countries that they deliver oil to. Now, I will say just recently in the United States, there has been enough oil barrels to come back online to where people think we're out of the woods. I don't believe it for one second. Again, this is a long-term sustainable problem, especially on the supply side. I could go on about this. I could go on about a lot of these things, but I'm going to try to condense it into a 10-minute podcast. Uh, But let's go ahead and take a look at the demand side. We've already spoken before how trying to make the switch wholesale over to renewable energy is a really bad idea. We're just not there yet with the efficiency. The entire setup and maintenance and disposal of solar panels and wind farms, for example, if you really do the math, is an absolute environmental nightmare. But of course, that goes against the narrative, so you're never going to hear about it. Um, So it's not even solving what it is intended to solve. But we've seen plenty of times already, countries having to scramble back to fossil fuels just to keep the lights on. California just recently had to scramble into natural gas. The UK had to do the same thing. They had a year to where they didn't get the wind speed they did before. Uh, It's not their fault. But when push comes to shove, you got to do what you got to do. Germany had to scramble into coal. And these are not the only times you are going to see this happen. And if right now you think it's a great time to scramble into natural gas, uh, you have not seen a chart of natural gas. I suggest if you haven't to pause this podcast right now and go look. It is no longer the feasible option it once was in terms of cost. I also have it from three pretty good sources that this coming winter is supposed to be colder than most winters, despite what narratives say. Again, we'll see about that. Uh, But those of you in the United States, and even some of those outside of the United States, might remember what happened to Texas last year when things got a little colder than they should have gotten. I really do believe that we, as an entire planet really, are going to see a major energy crisis this decade. And it will be a direct result of the poor decisions we have made in the last few years, even though they were going to blame it on something else. And you guys know I love the environment and I want the best for it. Um, But this was a classic overcorrection of the truest kind. And I think we're really going to pay for it. But hey, doom and gloom aside, we are a solutions-based podcast, aren't we? If we're all going to freeze to death, we might as well make some money while we're doing it, right? How do we play it? Well, again, ETFs are a great way to go here. I would be cautious on playing the services sector, even though they've done pretty well over the summertime. You know, they are the ones that are hurt by these crazy mandates. The services and producers both. Now, you actually have seen some services and some producers do fairly well, um, but there's just no way to know which ones. It's been very inconsistent lately. The overall price of oil is not. The overall price of oil benefits when you constrict supply, and there are plenty different options to do that. Now, this is not going to be a podcast episode on oil ETFs. We may have one of those in the future, but uh, let me just throw out a few other cautions as you do your research. First of all, there are pure play oil ETFs that more or less track futures prices or have some kind of options contracts thrown into there too. Make sure you know what you're doing on these. These are not always as dumb and easy as we would like. It doesn't mean they don't perform well. It just means you should always know what you're getting into. And these are always more difficult instruments to figure out just what the heck it is you're getting into. Second, you are going to see the top pure play oil ETF out there, ticker symbol USO. And think to yourself, oh, this is obviously the right way to go. It's the one with the highest um, AUM by far because so many of these ETFs have just been decimated. And it seems to be the choice of most people who play this sector. Okay, fine. But you may want to do a bit of research on this one. Look up the class action lawsuit on USO that happened after the crash in March 2020. And then look at the lawsuit that happened before the crash, like a few years ago. USO has been in an unusual amount of hot water um, for a large ETF. Again, there's plenty of people out there that are aware of these things and still choose to play it anyway. But as always, do your research. Gone are the days where you can think, oh, oil's going up. I'm just going to throw it all into Exxon. Uh, First of all, Exxon does a lot of things now. (laughs) They have pivoted, uh, wisely so, I think. Uh, And you could actually still play it this way. Um, But if you are using your charts to track the price of oil, but then you're investing in an instrument that is not closely tracking the price of oil, don't be upset when things don't go your way. Now I certainly want to have episodes on producers and services and good ways to play that as well, but when you're getting close to having a signal on a particular commodity, or really anything for that matter, you never know if it's going to be, quote, the one, the one that's going to kick off the official bull run. The odds would say that it's not, but on the off chance that it is, I just want to get everybody as informed as possible and ready to at least play this sector one way. And the best way to start doing that is to use instruments that track the actual price of the commodity itself. so that is what I have attempted to do today. But just know that even in the investment world, uh, investing in oil is not skating to where the puck is going, at least in most people's minds. It seems absolutely crazy to pivot into fossil fuels after all the governments have already told us they're going to do in the future. But when this pipe dream of lollipops and unicorns slowly starts to fade away... And then shit starts getting real. We can then tell those people that we were not crazy. We were just early.